You're listening to Life in the Treehouse podcast, episode two. Hey, welcome to Life in the Treehouse, where we are serving up health and wellness, seasoned with living abundantly, plus a garnishment of personal growth, all for your listening pleasure. We'll share information and recommendations, answer your questions, and provide a glimpse inside the lives of a polyamorous family of misfits while bucking societal norms, engaging in activism, lavishing affection on three devoted rescue dogs, and running a small business from our treehouse on the side of a mountain. Here's your host, Suze Ashley. Today we are going to talk about the U.S. Dietary Guidelines. Friend or foe? How did the guidelines come about and why should you care? This podcast is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered medical or clinical advice. Please consult a medical professional or a therapist before making any major physical or mental health decisions. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. I understand how limited your time and energy is and appreciate you stopping by the treehouse. Today, let's take a brief look at how all of this began. In 1968, a committee led by Senator George McGovern was formed to focus on eliminating hunger and malnutrition in the United States. And this committee stayed in effect until 1977. The committee used federal money first to negate hunger. And then they took a look at politics regarding nutrition and studying the association between the way we eat and chronic disease. You're probably more familiar with the guidelines as the Food Pyramid, which came out in 1974 and then later became My Plate. These guidelines get revised every five years and, quote, was never based on science, unquote, per Dr. Robert H. Lustig. The committee wanted to know what was causing the increase in heart attacks. There were two schools of thought. One showed data indicating that saturated fats were harmful, while the other school of thought had data indicating that it was sugar causing the damage. Ansel Keys was one of the researchers studying fat. He has a famous study called the Seven Countries Study. Many Many scientists in the field of research feel that Keyes cherry-picked his data. In this study of his, he only used nations that showed both high-fat consumption and high rates of heart disease, while dismissing data from the countries that had contradicting evidence to his hypothesis. I'll include a link in the show notes for you to take a look at if you like to nerd out about this sort of thing. My understanding is Keyes was rather charismatic and he had befriended many folks in Congress. In 1977, this committee completed its research regarding an unsubstantiated link between cholesterol, fat, and heart disease. As a result, they drew up the dietary goals for the United States 
report. And back in the day, these were considered dietary goals. Later on, they became the actual guidelines that we know today. Nine recommendations were listed in this report based on the influence of Keyes and his cohorts. And this began the low-fat craze. He thinks that it's the saturated fat in foods that is ca- was causing the heart attacks. And so this is what they advise us on when it comes to what we ate. So while all this was going on, let me remind you of two things. First, the USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture, is in charge of the dietary guidelines. And what is the primary purpose of the USDA? To sell agricultural products, right? Things like corn, wheat, soybean, rice. Second, many of these crops are subsidized by the Farm Bill, which pay the farmers and encourages them to grow more crops. Add into the mix that the USDA also subsidizes SNAP and WIC, which are food programs that help those with low incomes eat and receive health care. So what comes next? All of this paved the way for big agriculture and big corporations. We weren't supposed to be eating fat, right? So they created new processed carbohydrates for Americans to eat. These new carbs were made with processed wheat flour, sugar, and or high fructose corn syrup and trans fats. And now these foods no longer have fat in them thanks to Ansel Keys. As a side note, about 85, 80% of packaged foods now contain high fructose corn syrup, which leads us to challenge number one. Fat helps us feel full and sated. Challenge two, without the fat to help us feel full, we are now hungry more often. So who benefits from all this hunger? The big food companies, right? Shop. We're hungry all the time. So what do we do? We eat more of this stuff continuing the vicious cycle. Eating the processed carbohydrates is making us fatter while the large corporations break in the money. What else is going on behind the scenes? Chronic disease has increased at a remarkable rate because of these new foods. Did you know that there is another big player in all of this? Who else benefited from these dietary guidelines? Big Pharma. They thought natural fat was harming us thanks to inaccurate data when in actuality it was the ultra- processed grains, sugar, and trans fats that were the real culprits. Let me take a moment to pause and check in with you. Let's recap. The low-fat food craze resulted in big corporations, big agra, and big pharma making money out the wazoo while we got fatter and sicker. What comes up for you when you hear this? The American Medical Association felt that it was up to the individual with guidance from their doctor who should be making such decisions regarding what we eat. During this same time period in 1977, there were grumblings from the dairy, meat, and sugar industries. If the guidelines recommend that we eat 55 to 60% of our calories from carbohydrates, this doesn't leave much room for meat, dairy items, and sugar, does it? Other scientists, both here and abroad, examined the research used to create these guidelines, and they insisted that there be additional scrutiny and modifications made. The meat industry did get a bit of a pass later in the year when the addendum version of the guidelines came out. Mind you, these guidelines are used to dictate our school lunches, their subsidized school lunch programs, and the food served in hospitals and other governmental places. These guidelines have become the standard 
both here and abroad. We're tricked into thinking they are based on the latest and greatest scientific information, and they're not. Americans are fatter and sicker than ever before. I'd say these guidelines aren't working for us very well. What do you think? The USDA will not admit to its role in the global obesity epidemic and still sells our way of eating to the rest of the world. The public is being told that their obesity is their fault based on the dogma that a calorie is a calorie. So what they're saying is that a calorie from an egg is equivalent to that of a calorie from a Pop-Tart. Here's a hint. Your body processes these two foods quite differently. The food pyramid became my plate in 2011. It tells us to eat half a plate of veggies or fruits, a quarter plate of fiber containing starch, and one quarter protein, preferably low fat. My plate encourages us to eat less fat, less salt, and less sugar. Great. They're forgetting they took out the fat and replaced it with sugar in 80% of all packaged foods. Sadly, it was also recommended in 2015 to increase the amount of polyunsaturated vegetable oils. So things like corn oil, peanut oil, vegetable oil, canola oil. Guess who's making money off that, right? It's the big corporations. Death by Food Pyramid is a book by Denise Minger where she shares, quote, how shoddy science, sketchy politics, and shady special interests have shaped American dietary recommendations, end quote. To what extent, if any, should the government be involved in overseeing food guidelines? What are your thoughts? Feel free to write in, connect with me on social media. I would love to hear what you're thinking about all of this. Here's a friendly reminder that it's okay to eat fat found naturally in food. Saturated fat is no longer public enemy number one since 2010, but how often have you heard this? They changed the guidelines back in 2010 to reflect this, and yet I don't know that you hear about it very much. The guidelines are based on politics, money from big agra, big corporations, and big pharma. They are the foxes in the hen house influencing how you're being told to eat. It's merely a formality this science even gets looked at. In 2015, the guidelines came out stating that they no longer see saturated fat as a dietary concern. Fats naturally occurring in foods are deemed safe, which means no push needed for low-fat foods anymore. The cholesterol naturally found in foods is also no longer demonized as a bad-for-you nutrient. But how often do you hear about this? I know I don't. Maybe you do. I have not. If the role of the USDA is to encourage the selling of agricultural products, what do you think they're going to tell the public to buy and eat? Do you think there's any correlation with having us eat 55 to 60% of our calories from grains? If there can be such a thing, how about putting someone in charge of our nutrition that isn't biased from vested interest? Will the day come when fructose, or as we typically call it, sugar, will be taken off the GROSS list? So GROSS stands for generally recognized as safe. So if they have found that sugar is causing major problems for us, why is it still deemed safe? We'll be right back after this break. By following the U.S. dietary guidelines, 
you are eating what is commonly referred to as the standard American diet. This is not what we follow here at the Treehouse. Our way of eating is much different. We consider protein to be our friend. So what results have we seen? We've lost weight. Invictus has improved his A1C from an 11.3 down to a 6. Code's blood pressure is down. And my cholesterol numbers have improved, especially my triglycerides. We've noticed that aches and pains are gone, and we definitely have more energy. We've learned to eat, bake, and cook differently. And I'm thankful for those who have gone before us and shared their recipes. They have certainly made it much easier for us. We've done away with ultra-processed foods like flour, pasta, rice, and we don't do sugar. We make fried cheese pizzas without a crust. And when we do schnitzel, we make a breading out of almond flour, Parmesan cheese, and some seasonings. And then we dip in an egg wash. Most of our meals only take 20 to 30 minutes to make. So we're not spending a lot of time, extra time in the kitchen compared to anyone else. I have gone dairy-free, and this has tremendously improved my lung health. I have asthma, and since going dairy-free, I have not used my inhaler. My endometriosis symptoms are gone for the most part. There are days when they, it flares, but that's also because I am not being kind to myself those days. Our cabinets don't hold a lot of things. We make our own condiments. So we do a sugar-free ketchup. We make our own salad dressings. And mayonnaise takes all of two whole minutes to make. This isn't to say we don't have our days. Invictus and Code still have quite the sweet tooth. And there are struggles with carb and sugar addiction for sure. Um, the kids like carbs and they do ask for them from time to time. And I agree that carbs are super tasty. And if we have pasta or rice that have been made for the kids, then I will splurge and I'll have some. Uh, I used to make cheese noodles to have when we would eat spaghetti or other Italian dishes for dinner. But since I've gone dairy free, I've had to switch to eating zoodles, which are spiral sliced vegetables. But keeping these on hand has definitely become important for me. Invictus and the teens eat vegetables. Uh, I'm hit or miss with them. I'm on a low oxalate diet, which means I have to watch what vegetables I eat because the oxalates in them cause me problems. They cause me pain, especially in various joints. And it's also part of the endometriosis pain that I get. So that's the reason why I don't eat vegetables. I, I love them, but until my body clears itself of the inflammation, I'm just choosing to limit what I eat that has oxalates in them. 
fruit we typically buy locally and eat seasonally anymore. We do have our cheat days and we found it's best for us just not to bring the ultra processed foods into the house. Do we fall off the wagon? Sure. We get back up, we brush ourselves off, we saddle up once again. You know, we're human. I'll be right back after this quick break. Struggling with weight and health issues is something I have known most of my adult life. Even in high school, I remember one of my best friends commenting on, you know, my stomach pouch. That shaming is nothing new to me. It wasn't that long ago when I was wearing size 18 clothing. I can totally relate to feeling like a misfit you know, a failure because I didn't have the energy to play with my kids when they were little or go swimming with my friends. I remember how much it hurt just to walk. For several years, I was pre-diabetic. My doctor wanted me to exercise more. And if that didn't work, she was going to put me on medication. Well, I have zero interest in being on prescription drugs for these issues. So when my lab results came back and my cholesterol still had not significantly changed, I chose to find another way. Life is what you make of it. Clearly, what I was doing was no longer working for me. I looked around to see what other folks were doing. Who were the people that had what I wanted to have and what were they doing? I got real curious and talked to them. I'm a serial learner, so I went down the rabbit hole. I did my research, and I got my questions answered. Based on the knowledge I acquired, I chose to change what I was doing and came up with a new game plan. What in your life is no longer working for you? And would you like some help with that? I'll be right back with my favorite segment after this break. Now, my favorite segment, spotlighting your wins of the week in what's going well. Kate wrote in sharing that she is experiencing greater inner peace via a daily meditation, while Brenda says life is going well for her, and that is what she is celebrating. So a big shout out to Kate and Brenda for taking a moment to celebrate their baby steps towards their goals. Thanks for sharing. And please be sure to send in your wins so that I may share them on the air and celebrate with you. Thank you for listening to Life in the Treehouse with Suze Ashley. If you like our show and want to know more, check out suzeashley.com for the show notes and links to everything that was mentioned in today's episode. Join us next time when we talk about supporting our immune system during cold and flu season. <music>